Thank you all again, and uh, thank you all again for worshiping with us. Y'all can have a seat. And let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for the music of worship. Thank you for the body of Christ worshiping together. Thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit, uh, be it uh, here in this place or in our families or in Jackson or in Honduras. Thank you for giving our team safe travels, and and we pray both uh, blessing and safety for the team that's leaving this week. Thank you most of all for your Holy Spirit. We're going to be talking about it today, and I pray that, I pray all of us would know uh, your Holy Spirit doesn't just dwell in a sanctuary, in a church, or in a, a Bible study, or on a mission trip, but it is... He is constantly available uh, for us um, for the times when we're in the wilderness to our times of rejoicing. I pray we'd know that and I pray we would seek Him and He would melt our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, who sent His Spirit to us and said, it is to your benefit that I go because He will come. May we believe that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you all again for being here. And if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 16. If you don't, there's a Bible for you. You can get it now or you can pick it up as you leave. We're going to read, starting today, verse 7 through verse 15 of John chapter 16. And uh, the question... For those of y'all who don't know, if y'all are visiting, all summer we've been taking your questions. And let me say this, we'll continue to take your questions, even through the fall. I love uh, dealing with questions, any question, easy questions, tough questions. And uh, I just like to know what you're thinking, what you're struggling with. But over the summer, it's been called Red Letter Questions, any question. And one that's come up a couple of times, as a matter of fact, uh, has been around the Holy Spirit. And if I could paraphrase the exact question... It was, I get God, like creator God, and I get Jesus, you know, man and God, and he died and he rose again, but I don't get the Holy Spirit, so help me understand. I think that's that's a common question because it was asked a couple of times. Uh, It's been a common question of mine, you know, it's easy to go in grand vistas and to see creation and think of God. Jesus was a man, Holy Spirit, you know, can't see him. Uh, Some of us feel him, some of us walk with him, but, you know, who is he, what does he do, and and all of that song and dance. Well, we're going to try to see today. So, John 16, and beginning with verse 7. Listen to what Jesus said to his disciples the night before he was to die. It's, It's pretty fascinating stuff. He says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, semicolon. In my Bible. So it's like, this is really important. I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate, some translations, the counselor, some translations, the spirit of truth, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove, some translations say convict there, the world about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer, about judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. For this reason, I said that He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. Jesus, I've always been baffled by that passage because Jesus says, it is to your advantage that I leave. And that's Jesus saying that, you know. Jesus, King of kings, Lord of lords, and he says, it is better that I leave because I send to you the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He says three things right here. He says, the Holy Spirit will convict you of truth, of sin, that little thing called conscience sometimes that like rings bells in our mind or in our hearts uh, I believe that that's the Holy Spirit speaking to us he convicts us he guides us Jesus says in this passage he will guide us in our walk in life he will guide us through tough times he will guide us when we don't know what to do and then it says he will glorify me Jesus so so what does the spirit do broadly well Jesus says he'll convict us of our sin he'll guide us in our life and he will glorify Jesus Ultimately, it's still all about Jesus, even though bodily and physically his presence is not here. He's in heaven. He'll come again. But the spirit of truth will ultimately always glorify Jesus. Now, you could probably know that in Sunday school. And maybe some of you have heard those things in Sunday school. And so that's the, that's the Sunday school answer. But as lots of you know here, uh, we like to go kind of get, get into the real gritty world of reality and our lives, and so what does the Holy Spirit do for us today? Well, one thing is, the Holy Spirit's everywhere. And I think this is one of the reasons Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away, because Jesus at that time was, he was God, but he was also all man. That's another big question, how can you be all God and all man, but we'll get into that. And so he says, you know, the Holy Spirit's coming, and the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. He can be in Honduras right now. He can be us with worship. He can be at another church with worship. He's going to be with you at lunch as you bless the meal. He's going to be with you at home this afternoon. He may be with you as you cry tonight if something's going down in your life. He may be with us as we rejoice in some victory in our life, or you get a new job. Or something. Holy Spirit's everywhere. I mean, he's, he's literal, tangible, physical at our fingertips for, for prayer. So he's definitely here in worship. As, as the worship team was playing, I believe many of you, I felt the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's with us as we take communion. He's with us in the power of God's Word. He's with us in our community. He's here at church, but He's not just bound to church. Uh, he's with us in Bible studies or small groups. Uh, some folks, you know, honestly feel the Holy Spirit more in a small group than in a church service. Some folks don't want to go to church because, you know... People have had bad experience with church and say, hey, I really want, you know, I find the Holy Spirit in three or four at a cafe or coffee shop or at a bar. Uh, that's possible too. I have this friend and she, uh, she had a friend who was having an affair. Okay. Not in Jackson. I know your minds start working. Not in Jackson, another city, okay? Um, but this friend, this friend said, you know, she's having this affair. And she says, we started talking about Jesus, pillow talk interestingly enough, and I want to learn more about Jesus, so I know you're a real Christian and Christianese and everything, so could we do a Bible study on the Gospel of Mark? So my friend says, uh, says yeah, saw a, an opening, you know, to minister to this person, to level this person, so they started meeting weekly, and my friend said, you know, it's interesting, because at first she said, well, can I have a cigarette? 
And she's like, well, yeah, that's, that's, that's fine. So she lit up as they were, they were going through the Gospel of Mark. And then like a week later, she said, can I have a glass of wine? And she said, well, sure. So it's like interesting Bible study, lighten up with a glass of wine. But she said, you know what? The Holy Spirit was there. These are exact words. The Holy Spirit was present. And it's not just in like, you know, real religiosity, Bible studies, and, you know, we got to do the right thing, or church services. The Holy Spirit was there. Because what happened a couple months later, Holy Spirit convicted her, as Scripture says, so she broke off the affair, okay? And then her husband got a job, another job, a new job, and they moved. And it was really good for their family. And she began to really grow in this walk in Christ. And it started there. Amen. So my point being is that, you know, we don't have to look all churchy. The Holy Spirit to start going down in people's lives and making an impact in our hearts. I also really believe this, too, that, you know, you saw the real good in Honduras on that video. Um, you didn't see some of the real darkness, dark places that many of us were able to, to minister to, if only simply by our presence and our prayer. And I believe this with, you know, the utmost of my heart and my life, and it's one of the reasons why I go. There are, there are very dark places in our world. It doesn't have to be a third world country. It can be, uh, you know, the picture-perfect home in northeast Jackson. But we had a situation in Honduras uh, where, well, it's Kendall Poole. I'm not sure if she's here today. That's not bad if she's not. Anyway, Kendall said uh, we were working on a construction site, and she came over, said, John Hugh and a couple of y'all, you got to see this. So we walked to another house, and it was a house we were not building a new house for. It was a shack, wooden shack, and eight kids were living in, in this shack, which was about a third the size of this stage, you know, just this, this part of the stage. So eight kids living there. And the youngest, maybe 18 months, uh, they did have a concrete floor, was just laid out on the concrete floor, just crying, just, just wailing. And, and, and I assume, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, the concrete floor is cool. And, and she, or he, actually was having, having a fever. So we went and got Jack, Dr. Jack Moriarty. Um, actually called all our doctors, Dr. David Carroll too, but, like, he's digging so hard in this hole. That's another story. But Dr. Moriarty came over there, and uh, he has such a ministry of presence, I believe. So he, you know, he knelt down you know, with the baby and, and, you know, touched it and, you know, just crying. I mean, just, just heartbreaking. So we come to find out, you know, the child has worms, you know, just, just you know. We got, her to a, got him to a clinic and they got him some medicine. And I remember we give uh, kind of testimonies the last night of what impacts us, you know. And I said to our team, I said, you know, that, that's probably the, most, the thing that most impacted me on our trip and I always think, you know, like, what can I do? I'm not a doctor, but we all have. We all have ministry of presence, ministry of touch, ministry of prayer. And I believe with all my heart the Holy Spirit works through our hands, through our feet, in going, in being there in that house, in praying, in, in touching that child, across languages, across cultures. We have that. That's why God created his church. That why, that's why God calls us to go. So the Holy Spirit is in the darkest of places, the darkest place. We're going to India in November. We're going to do a ministry to women who've been rescued from sex trafficking. Pretty dark stuff. The Holy Spirit will be there. I can't wait to meet him. 
in a very dark place. So the Holy Spirit is in church. It's when in places that don't look like church. It is in the darkest of, of places. Now, I want to start something. I have some scripture up on screen, so you don't have to flip through your Bibles. But I want to look at some of the things that the Holy Spirit does, like specifically, you know, like, you know, nitty-gritty. Like, what does the Holy Spirit do in our lives? And if we look in the Gospel of Luke, it is, you kind of like flip over this stuff, but there's so many verses that says Jesus did this by the Holy Spirit. Jesus did this through the Holy Spirit. It's really fascinating. I don't even have them all. I've got about six that I want to show you. So you can either look in your Bible or make a note. But this is, again, specifically, practically some things the Holy Spirit does. First, Luke 1.15. We'll start at the beginning of a life. Here's the life of John the Baptist. And it says in Scripture that he, John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit from the time, from the point that he was in his mom's womb. So the Holy Spirit begins work on a life, not when we're born, not when we're of the age of accountability, not when we can make rational choices. The Holy Spirit can begin work on a life when that life begins in the womb of mother. If any of you have been fortunate enough to be in a doctor's office and looking at a sonogram and seeing the heart beat, that is a life. It doesn't have to be out in the world. It doesn't have to be all that life is there. Psalm says the Lord knits our hairs together. He, he creates us in our mother's womb. And so the Holy Spirit, I believe, is already speaking to, working on, ministering, shaping a life. I mean, this is why we do infant baptism here. And, and I know some of us are from traditions that like don't do infant baptism or they call it different things, you know, consecration, all of that. But I'm a passionate believer in infant baptism. I'm also a passionate believer in making a conscious decision and saying, you know, I accept Christ. We'll talk about that in a minute. But I'm passionate about infant baptism because the Holy Spirit's much bigger than me or us or just even a decision that we make. And the Holy Spirit can begin working in the life of a child in the mother's womb. And we baptize a child here, an infant, Really two reasons. One, to say the Holy Spirit's already drawing this child to Christ so that he or she will make a decision. And also baptizing them in the body of Christ that it's our job to raise him or her. So the Holy Spirit works even in the mother's womb. Going on, Luke 1.22, this was Jesus' baptism. It says the Holy Spirit descended upon him in physical form like a dove. Here's one of the only times in Scripture that we see the Trinity together. God the Father speaking, Jesus being baptized, the Holy Spirit descending like a dove. And I say this, I use the Scripture because those of us who've been baptized, we know, I mean, something physical happens. And it's not just like water or, or cold water. God bless those who've been baptized out there in the cold. It's not just, you know, it's not just water pouring forth on us. It's not just cold water. Those of us who've been baptized, I mean, something real is happening, but yet it's supernatural, and, and yet it's a mystery. We can't describe it or explain it because it's the power of the Holy Spirit being showered upon us. The actual baptism that we see, uh, you know, literally is just symbolic of what is supernaturally happening with the Holy Spirit descending upon us. So not only do I, am I passionate about infant baptism, I'm passionate about believer baptism, that everybody needs to be baptized, you know, 
you know, choose your method. We like to immerse here, but I've poured water on people. I've sprinkled, but, you know, it happens by water and by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes upon a life, melts a heart, changes a heart. A miracle is happening right there. Salvation is happening. And we see it. We witness it. We praise that. God bless that. Another verse, Luke 4, 1. This is kind of where it gets challenging. Luke 4, 1 says, He, the Holy uh, Jesus, was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 1. This verse changed my life when I was in seminary. Um, I'll tell you why. I took a Greek class. And sometimes I'll throw out, you know, this word like means this in Greek, and, and I'm not like... I don't know Greek, and that's not me. I mean, I get that like out of the Bible concordance. So I don't remember anything from a Greek class except this that I'm about to share. This word led, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus. The Greek version of it literally means against his will. You catch that? That, that Jesus Christ didn't want to do something. And the Holy Spirit literally led him or pushed him prodded him against his will to go into what he knew was going to be hell on earth for 40 days, physically suffering, emotionally, psychologically tempted to the wilderness. I say that because a lot of times what the Holy Spirit will do in our lives is lead us against our will. Now, it may not be a wilderness experience of 40 days. It may not be, you know a dark time of depression, it could be, it could be. We've had that go down. But it can be as simple as like reconciling with an enemy or reconciling with someone that you have deep-seated unforgiveness to. Let me give you an example. There's a story I read, and the book is awesome book. The writer's name is Rebecca Pippert. Uh, it's called Hope Has Its Reasons. We'll probably have these out here in a couple weeks. Awesome book. She shares a story of this lady named Corey Ten Boom. Some of you know who Corey Ten Boom is. Famous, but she's famous for her ministry in that as a young girl, she was living in Holland from a Jewish family, had converted to Christianity. She, she hid for years, then the Nazis caught the family, sent them to a concentration camp. So she went through the hell, the horrors of a concentration camp, uh, saw guards send her parents to their death, send cousins, siblings to their death. She survived. God grew her faith through the years. But so much so, she said, I will never go to Germany again because I was in this concentration camp. I'll never step foot in that nation again. Well, God called her back, as usually he always does, to where we don't want to go. And she was asked to speak uh, to a church in Germany, you know, like 20 years later. And so she was speaking. She said the topic, interestingly enough, was on forgiveness. So here I am in this land, murdered my parents, murdered so many of my family, and I'm speaking about forgiveness. And so she said, I decided to do the talk to, to introduce myself. Everybody, you know, knew me. She's written books. She is famous in the Christian world. And she said, I, I want you to forget what you know about me. I don't want to stand in front of you and say, I'm here and I am a murderer. And she said she said that because she had so much hate in her heart for the nation or for the people. And Jesus says, Matthew 5, 21, that also says if you murder someone, you're a murderer. I say if you have hate in your heart, 
you're a murderer too. And so she said, I have hate in my heart, I am a murderer. So anyway, she said she gave this good talk on forgiveness. But then was when the Holy Spirit really challenged her. Because what happened was she saw a man in the audience. And this was like no regular man. This man had been a former guard at her concentration camp, had literally sent people she loved to their death, and he was coming up to greet her. And she said to herself, I don't know what to do, God. I know he's going to want to shake my hand or something, but I can't do this. I can speak about it, and I can really claim your word, but, but I can't. So if anything happens, it's you, not me. It's by the power of your spirit. The man came up and just said, you know, isn't it, isn't it wonderful, sister, to be forgiven by the blood of Christ you know, and to be saved? And she, she said, it is. And, and she embraced him. And she said it was, it was really an awesome experience because she said it was two murderers embracing each other. That her sin was just as, just as great. Her hate in her heart. But yet she was forgiven by Christ. I say that because, you know, that's, that's on a big scale. I mean, I don't think any of us, you know, have had people, you know, kill our parents, you know, send them to death. But there are people that we hate, possibly. There are things in our heart that there are people that we don't want to reconcile with. And I do believe that the Holy Spirit leads us against our will to forgive and to reconcile. Because if we have hate, we're all murderers. But thank goodness for the gospel that Jesus saves us. He leads us against his will, our will. And then often what happens when we reconcile, when we forgive, when we rely on the power of the Spirit, we do what happened to Jesus, Luke 4, 14. It says he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. When you go through those times, when you go through your wilderness, when you do that, there's a flooding, there's a power of the Holy Spirit. You feel that. I felt it, some of you have felt it. When you go through the hard times, when you rely on his Spirit for power, it's, it's real, it's tangible, it's there. A couple other things. The power to heal, Luke 5, 17. says Jesus had the power to heal by the Spirit or by the Lord. And, you know, I ask you, do you believe? And I know Sunday school answers, yes, you know, we believe. Do you believe the Holy Spirit can heal? Do you believe in physical healing? The Holy Spirit can. Scripture says it. Jesus healed by the power of the Spirit. Do you believe in the power of the Spirit, though? There's something more important than our physical healing, our soul healing, healing of our salvation. One other story from the same book. The author, a lady named Rebecca Pippert, she had an uncle. His name was Uncle Roger. The picture of perfect health. Run marathons, Iron Man, you know, all that. Not a Christian. Anyway, he was struck down by cancer. So the family prayed fervently that he would be healed. Didn't look like it was going to happen. Uncle Roger slipped into a coma. Still had not made a verbal confession of Christ. Still had not said, you know, I I believe in Jesus. He's forgiven my sins. All of that good stuff. Had not done that. So the family who was Christian said, you know, we want to spend eternity with Uncle Roger. And it doesn't look like it's happening. So they began to pray for his salvation. Even though he was in a coma. Even though doctors said, you know, these are the last days. They began to pray that something would happen, that a miracle would happen. I believe, too, we believe, I mean, there has to be a physical encounter. There has to be an exchange that, you know, you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He had not done that. They prayed for healing. 
They prayed for the greatest healing, that they would be together in heaven. And a miracle happened. There was a doctor who was a believer, and God, he said God began working on him, priding him, go to that room, witness to Uncle Roger. So he did. And at a moment, Roger came out of the coma. And the doctor said, you know, have you done bad things in your life? He said, yes. Do you want to be forgiven? Yes. Do you know that Jesus has forgiven you? Do you know that Jesus has loved you? So he, he witnessed to the gospel and he said, do you believe, Roger? And he said, I need time to think about it. Literally, coma, floating in and out. I need time to think about it. So, you know, went back. The doctor continued to pray, told the family what he said. So they're in there and they're praying. And one of the time, he kind of surfaced out of the coma. The family was gathered around. And Uncle Roger said, do you see him? And they're like, well, yeah, you know, your, your brother's here. No, do, do you see him? And he said, we don't know. Do you see the Lord? And they're like, you know, Uncle Roger, Roger, what is this? Do you, have you accepted? Are you forgiven? He's like, oh, yes, I have. You know, he's with us here. Those are the last words that he said. And he went to be with Jesus. So Roger was healed. Maybe not physically the way that family wanted. But those happened too. But the Holy Spirit orchestrated lives to come in and minister to him so that he has all eternity. He has a new body awaiting for him, the new heavens and the new earth. The Holy Spirit can do that. He can orchestrate people and prod thoughts and move like pieces of a puzzle together to lead people to Christ, to glorify Christ as John said. So, quickly, what do we do? One thing, we rejoice. Luke 10, 21, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. You know, when we worship here, and I hope, you know, it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen for me. We have tough times, challenging times. We want to know how this gospel ministers to our life, the word, but and we can rejoice that we have the power of the Holy Spirit, that we have something that is so great and so tangible in the body of Christ, in the world, that leads us, prompts us, changes lives. And it is here for us, wants to minister to us. We can rejoice. We can rejoice in worship, in song, in prayer. Rejoice in the Holy Spirit. A couple of things to do, really specific, like, tasks. Like, here's, you can do these right now. Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus says that he will give the Holy Spirit to all those who ask. If there's a drought in your life, if you feel dry, if, you don't, if you're like, man, I hear what you're talking about, but it's, it's not like that with me, uh, you know, no dice, ask for the Holy Spirit. Like, tough times in life, ask. Lord, minister to me. Lord, let me feel the power of your Spirit. Lord, heal me, ask. Jesus says he will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask. Luke eleven thirteen. Don't know the words? Luke 12, 12. The Spirit will teach you what to say. Got a tough relationship? Tough situation? Hard conversation you got to have? Don't know what to say? Pretty clear in Scripture. Luke 12, 12. The Holy Spirit will teach you what to say. And then, is there fear in your life? And I know some of us are like, hey, no fear in my life. I'm okay there. I know. Everybody's got a little fear. Some fear to go to Honduras. Some, hey, fear to go to India. Hey, fear to go to work. 
Hey, fear to witness. Hey, fear to look like a Christian because what people say. Hey, hey, fear to reconcile. Hey, fear to forgive. Acts 1.8. Jesus says, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. There's power in the Holy Spirit to go. Maybe not India, maybe not Honduras, maybe to your job in the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe to the gym. Maybe to the baseball game. Maybe to supper club. Maybe to the bar. Power by the Holy Spirit to be witnesses for Christ. This church was founded on a passion to go. Not just going overseas, going in our lives for John ten sixteen. that other person. We do it by the Holy Spirit. I want to close with a passage in Galatians because here's the deal. We can talk about the Holy Spirit and how, oh man, we ask for the Holy Spirit. Oh man, we seek the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit. Hey, I'll be led by the Holy Spirit. End of the day though, there's got to be some fruit. There's got to be some fruit in our lives. Galatians. Galatians 5 talks about this. And I want to paraphrase a couple verses. Galatians 5, it's not going to be up on screen. Verse 16 to 26. Paul contrasts a life of the flesh with a life of the Spirit. He says, live by the Spirit. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the Spirit. And the Spirit is opposed to the flesh. The works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery. Let me say, hey, you know, no sorcerer, no fornicator, you know, no idolatry, all that. Well, he gets more specific then. Strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. I am warning you. This is a pretty powerful verse right here. I am warning you as I warned before. Those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul says, I am warning you. Those of us who do such things basically will not inherit the kingdom of God. By contrast, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against such things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. How many of us compete with one another? And compete in subtle ways. How many of us envy? How many of us live by the flesh or live by the Spirit? How many of us have crucified the flesh with its passions? Do you want to live by the Spirit? The good news is He's here. He's, he's here for the taking. Just ask. Jesus sent Him, and it's to our advantage. Maybe start today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just I pray for your Holy Spirit. It is, uh, it's so big, we, we can't, can't really comprehend it. But he's here, and he's present, and he saves lives. And I pray he saves some today, that he saves a few in this room. Maybe all. Because we battle against the flesh daily, hourly, minute by minute, right now. But your spirit is greater. Pray that we would live by the spirit, not by the flesh. And whether that's going across the world or just to our job, or just maybe to our spouse. You'd lead us by your Spirit, and we'd accept that call and that walk. In your name we pray. Amen.